0: Well, there are some, there are some um, monumental ones. When I got out of baseball, I was very good friends with David Stern. Uh, and David sort of ran the NBA lock, stock, and barrel. And David said, I need you to take over the Houston Rockets. You become the owner, put in what you want, we'll get it done. And I turned him down because I said, Emmis is having problems. Um, you know, I know that uh, um, I, I really want to fix Emmis. Um, there was another time when we passed on buying the Minnesota Vikings business is the fuel that drives america innovation hard work risk and reward it's what many call the american dream and we're bringing the dream to you it's the business beyond the boardroom show with your host mark steckman
1: We've got a guest on the line. His name is Jeff Smullyan, and he is the author of this very book, Never Ride a Roller Coaster Upside Down. He's the founder of Emmis Communications, which, by the way, Jeff is an icon in the world of broadcasting, having started the first sports talk radio station and, of course, now the author of this terrific new book. Jeff, you've got a great story, and I want to bring our listeners up to speed on you if they're not familiar with you. uh, You uh, grew up in Indianapolis, is that right? Correct. Your uh, dad was an entrepreneur. I get right. that right too. Right. And um, you decided to go off to college out west. Talk a little bit about that. How you ended up at USC and got always,
0: de- always thought, and it was in the '60s. Always thought it would be fun to go west. Uh, went to undergraduate school, USC, loved it. Was going to get a master's uh, at Stanford in telecom, and somebody said, "If you want to be an entrepreneur, um, go to law school." It's strange. Today, 100 people out of 100 would tell you get an MBA. But in those days, it was like, no, get a law degree. And I did it. Um, I always wanted to do what, what I did, which is start a media company, radio, basically. Uh, my dad taught me into coming home. Um, he invested in a small station his cousin had. He said, I'll do this if you come back and run it, which I did. Uh, a few years later, I started Emmas. Um, and it's just been um, one crazy fun existence ever since.
1: Now, Jeff, that first radio station, am I correct? It was a country radio station?
0: Well, we switched it from country to news talk. And our the most famous thing about it is our midday guy was David Letterman.
1: David Latterman. And right. so did he work right there in the studios then? Right. I remember in he was in the studios. Yeah. Yes. So, so what was that like? I mean, he was obviously early in his career. What kind of a what kind of an employee was David? Give us the skinny. It's just you and I talking. Nobody else listening.
0: All right. Well, no. David was great. David was always brilliant. He would always do things that you just you marveled at. I my favorite story was one day I came back from lunch and the, the guy called me, and, you know, I was the manager and he said you know, you, you got to get rid of Letterman. He's a communist. I said, well, why is he a communist? He said, well, I called in and said, I know they're communists in Carmel, Indiana. And what do you think he said? I said, I don't know. He said, well, I think you got to give the communists Carmel. Um, the streets are always torn up. Their football team's lousy. Um, you can never find a good place to park. So let's, let's give them ca- Carmel and hold the line at the next suburb. <laughs> <laughs> um, that was Dave. I mean, Dave just did brilliant stuff. He Absolutely. Is. Always was just brilliant.
1: That's awesome. So, as, as things kind of progressed in your career, you ended up acquiring uh, some of the biggest radio stations in the United States uh, Power right. 106 in LA, and right. of course, The Fan in New York City and Hot. Talk about all those. How does, how does one go from one radio station in the 1970s to, to being uh, such an icon in the radio broadcasting industry?
0: You know, I think the key is we had a great culture. Um, I've been surrounded by wonderful people. Rick Cummings, who who really, uh, although Rick hated WFAN, didn't want to do it. But Rick was the architect of of Hot 97 in New York City and Power 106 in Los Angeles. And we we did just about everything. It was a great culture, and we were able to, you know, buy stuff, improve it, and go on to the next
1: thing. Well, you talk about, you mentioned the fan, uh, first sports talk radio station in the country. Uh, right. talk, that's, that's a big leap, cause particularly right. at that time. Right. Talk about that, the process and who you had to convince. Did you have to convince yourself, or were you the one that said, this is a brilliant idea, we're going to make tons of cash doing it?
0: Well, I, I have a two chapters in the book. One is called, I have a favorite saying, the line between being a genius and an idiot is very fine, and I bet on both sides. So one chapter is idiot to genius, and that was the birth of WFAN. I always wanted to do all sports radio, thought about it when I was sitting, not paying attention in the class at USC. And when we, when we had stations in New York, we had it 1 a.m. They carried the Mets. It was country music. Um, we felt there was not a lot of future for country music on F, AM in those days. Um, and I brought it up to our managers, and our managers voted it down. And one of my friends said, what do you want to do? And I said, you can't lead where other people won't follow.
1: Mm.
0: So we're not going to do it. And then the next day, a couple of my managers said, look, we still think it's a really stupid idea. But we owe you one. Let's do it. And that was the birth of all sports radio in the United States. Mm. Um, and it was called Smullyan's Folly for a long time. Didn't make any money. Jim Lampley, who uh, was on the air with this, uh, called it the Vietnam War of MS. Um And then one day... Uh, we got the NBC stations. We switched the frequency. We put on Don Imus. We put on Mike and the Mad Dog, and the thing became like a rocket ship. So I went from idiot to genius on that
1: project. You man, you mentioned uh, Don Imus, and I know he's on your Mount Rushmore of some of the you know biggest names that you manage. Talk about him a little bit for those uh, that uh, remember him on the air.
0: Don was a brilliant guy, uh, quite a curmudgeon. Um, you never knew what Don was going to say. Uh, I had one situation where a friend called me and said, "I need a favor. Can Don stop talking about this problem?" Uh, and I said, "You know, I'll, I've never asked Don to do that, but I'll ask him, and he'll either uh, he'll either stop talking about the problem, or you'll make it fifty times worse." You never knew what you got with Don, but I really loved him. Mm. He's a good guy.
1: Yeah, it sounds like it. You know, I want to talk a little bit about the book, and you mentioned uh, the different chapters. The very first chapter is titled "Do What You Love," and you you kind of read out the shoot you'd mentioned that that you'd always wanted to get into media and own a radio station and stations. Yeah, talk because this show it, we're really we we center around that whole entrepreneurial thought process. Right, uh, but yet you got to make money at what you do. You can't just do what you love and not get paid. I mean, unless you've got somebody <laughs> helping you out there on the side. I always
0: said, find out. Um, is this a business or a hobby? Uh, I've seen a lot of things in my time that weren't businesses. They were hobbies. Um, I also, when I speak to college kids, I say do what you love unless it's a felony. So, um, <laughs> you know, you got to worry about that. But seriously, um, you, you know, you're going to be better if you, if you love something. You'll work harder at it. Um, there's no secret uh, to success. You just have you have to be lucky and you have to work hard.
1: Mm, yeah, that's very true. You saw that you know you call it the golden years. Radio has been through some ups and downs. Certainly, yeah. the eighties were big times, and then uh, there was also some times where the things were deregulated. Talk about the big times in radio, where you know you were you were getting getting some explosive growth, and of course revenues were just like you just you you almost you didn't even have to work really i i know you did but yeah. things well, were way different I,
0: you know we started the company and and it really was a skyrocket uh i think we bought like 20 stations in in 8 years uh culminating with the purchase of the nbc stations um and we were really you know the golden boys and everything we did turned to gold that's when we bought a major league baseball team uh we bought the seattle mariners um, and that 's why I have a chapter in the book called "Idiot or Genius to Idiot,"
1: because I was the
0: <laughs> boy wonder when I bought the mariners and and by the way, most of the reason I was reviled is they thought that I was going to secretly move the team to to Tampa St Pete,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, which we weren 't but that became the the common talking point out there. Um, but the radio industry was great, um, it had a bad blip right in the early 90s um, and then really hit its golden era. In the mid 90s, uh, with deregulation, and that led to so much influx of capital in the business that it led to some monumental excesses, mm-hmm. which is one thing you usually find.
1: Well, you talk about, you know, idiot to, to genius. I know there's got to be, over the course of your careers, things that you'd wished you had done, you know, maybe an opportunity that you passed on, anything that comes to mind.
0: Well, there are some, there are some. Uh, monumental ones when i got out of baseball i was very good friends with david stern uh and david sort of ran the nba lock stock and barrel and david said i need you to take over the houston rockets you become the owner put in what you want we'll get it done and i turned him down because i said emis is having problems um you know i know that uh um i, I really want to fix Emmis." um there was another time when we passed on buying the minnesota vikings Um, And another time when Sam Zell came to me and said, Jeff, let's merge the companies, and I said, Sam, if I want to make the most money, uh, I'll do this um, because you'll see that the industry has sort of peaked in a couple years, and you'll sell, and that will be the way to make the most money. But I love what I do. I love the people I do do it with, so I stayed and that allowed me to ride the roller coaster upside down in the radio business for another 15 years.
1: Mm, I love it. Well, one of the lessons that business owners are always looking for the answer, really trying to figure out how how do we do this, is when you buy a business or you own a business, uh, when to sell it. When, of course, you've bought and sold radio stations, which are big properties, they're often regulated by governmental entities, and you've got a lot of barriers and roadblocks and all these different kinds of things, but at the core of what they are, they're a business. So what would be a great lesson, a great takeaway for somebody who right now owns a business? What are things they need to think about in terms of when it is a good time to sell a business?
0: Well, I think, listen, you know, I think it, it matters what your personal preferences are, uh, sometimes you can stay in business too long. I did. We were fortunate. The book talks about how we survived some epic crises in the business, and unlike almost all of our peers did not go bankrupt um and And yet there 's no question that you know you you try to find a peak um and that 's when you sell um but it also depends on you know do you love it? And I and I, there's always the criticism. You, you love your business too much. I was clearly guilty of that, mm. um, but I think you you know listen. You always have to find when it's the right time for you. And clearly, when a business is doing well, um, you know, and and there are multiple buyers, sometimes that's time to cash in your chips.
1: Yeah. Well, I know that. Uh, speaking of that, uh, you've also taken that next step in your career. You sold the company in uh, I think it was back in June, right? Well, uh, we
0: sold our radio stations. Yeah, so correct, we've right. really vacated media. We have two more radio stations left in New York City. Um, but we've sold the rest of our media holdings. And now we we bought three other new businesses. Um, and we're off to probably doing some more things like that, buying more businesses.
1: Awesome. Any, any insight into what kind of businesses excite you the most right now?
0: Well, you know, we like businesses that are growing. Uh, we have a dynamic pricing business that really... Prices, attractions, uh, zoos, aquariums, amusement parks, theaters—we um, do everything from the Royal Albert Hall in England to, um, um, uh, you know, to some zoos in Hawaii. So we're all over the place. Um, and I think, and then and performing arts centers, things like that. Um, we also have a business that controls sound in, in you know, in offices and hospitals. Uh, that, that when when there's an open office and there's cubicles, we can manage the sound so you can't hear the person in the next cubicle.
1: Mm, that's but interesting. Doing that. Yeah, yeah. that's very interesting. Yeah. Hey, I, I've heard you talk in the past about debt and right. how you've paid down something like $2 billion or some number large right. like that in debt, especially right. as we're seemingly heading into a recession. What is a lesson for younger leaders that they can take away from your experiences revolving around debt?
0: Well, you know, let, debt or leverage, uh, when, a, when a business is growing, leverage is great, because you can pay your interest, you can pay your principal, and create outsized returns. When a business turns south, debt will bankrupt you faster than anything. Um, so I think you've really got to manage it. We thought we had managed it sometimes, a number of times, and then when the economy really went upside down, we found we still had too much debt. Mm. Um but you know I mean it's again, it's sort of you know you got to know when to hold them and know when to fold them because you know any debt in a growing business is okay or some debt um, but in a business which is declining or in bad economic times if if your leverage if your debt levels are too high, that will will come back and kill you.
1: Jeff, you are an entrepreneur who's reinventing himself as you uh, transitioned out of the media industry and now into other verticals. Yeah. What do you do to keep yourself fresh? And are you listening to podcasts? You listen to the radio? What's, what's, what's going Are you reading a lot of books? What, what, is, uh, yeah, what goes I'm a, on?
0: I'm sort of a compulsive reader. Um, I read four newspapers a day, read books. Um, and just, you know, uh, you know, and love what I do. I think, again, you know, running the business, I also love the people I'm with. Uh, it is a very collaborative culture. Um, so I find myself just consuming a lot of information. There's one line in the book where I saw a movie um, a long time ago um, with Robert Redford. And in the movie, he was a, a CIA analyst. And he goes out to lunch one day, and everyone, I think it was three days at The Condor, and he goes out to lunch, and everybody in the section is killed. And he finds out that they were actually targeting him. They just didn't get him. And he said, why would they want me? I'm just a reader. And I've thought about that line a thousand times because sometimes I think I'm just a reader. I consume an awful lot of information because I love consuming information.
1: Mm. Well, that's that's a. I think that's a great lesson for everyone today. And finding it from a variety of different places even more important, especially today with everything being online. It's easy to just find what you're searching for, and then hey. and then uh, only find answers that you <laughs> you were anticipating. What are hey. some of your greatest lessons? So you said, mentioned that you talk to college students. Yeah. Um, what are some great lessons for entrepreneurs or business owners or students? Out there, who are headed into business? What are some things that, over your five-year or five-decade your career, that uh, you would share with them?
0: Well, Mark, I'll tell you my favorite. In the genesis of the book, was that I would drive my young daughter, who's now a freshman at Georgetown, um, to school every day, and we'd talk about life and the lessons I've learned. Uh, I have three kids, and I've probably all driven them to distraction with lessons, but we would just talk about everything, and it was always my favorite thirty minutes of the day. And I would always say, you got to have grit. you got to be persistent. Never quit. Never quit. And she had a paper, like, in sixth grade, and she said, Dad, it's on the most important principle. I know it's got to be grit. And I said, no, Sammy, it's not grit. It's integrity. Mm. The most important thing you can do is, I always say, if your word is good, almost nothing else matters. And if your word's not good, almost nothing else matters. Mm. So it starts with integrity, being people being someone that people can trust, um, and then there's persistence, then there's self-belief, uh, then there's having fun. I used to give a speech about, to radio people, and I used to say, look, let's just go out and have fun. This isn't brain surgery. Don't carry the weight of the world on your shoulders. Make life fun. Make your job fun. And then I said, I met a brain surgeon, and I said, you guys you know, are really doing serious stuff. When you get ready to operate, what do you say? and and a brain surgeon said we say look this is just brain surgery it's not radio we don't have to pick the hits we don't have to make sure we get all the commercials in so it just depends on your what you're doing
1: Jeff, you're a radio guy for what, maybe 50 years. You you got to give me some insight on your favorite formats. I know you are a talk guy. You like to talk sports. You like to talk, you know, news talk, that kind of stuff. What's your What's your favorite music format? Let's... Oh, uh,
0: you know, I was the original top 40 guy. I grew up in a, in, an, in an era of the Beatles and Motown and all those things. Always loved that music, but I always loved talk. Always loved sports talk. Um, I always found that when when we found a radio station. One of my favorite projects was Casey in St. Louis, mm. sort of reinventing one of the original uh, you know, rock stations. Uh, and we had more fun with that thing than any, anything. So you know, anything we've done um, that finds a niche that, that really resonates with, with its audience that's the most fun in the radio business.
1: Speaking of hits, uh, yeah. there was a guy out of uh, Tampa, Florida, worked right here, as a matter of fact, that uh, just retired in New York this last week, uh, Scott Shannon, right? Yeah. Uh, you think he's, Do you think he's out for good, or has he come back in a different... No,
0: it's funny. I was just uh, with Scott. I was, at the, it was inducted into the Radio Hall of Fame a few weeks ago, and we were talking I think Scott's probably going to come back and do something.
1: Mm. Isn't it? It's hard when you get radio in your blood. It's it's hard to just walk away. It
0: is, and it's tough for me. I mean, we, we were looking at peripheral things. We just said, you know, we we've owned enough radio stations over this time. It's time to do something else that's growing a little faster. But you know, listen, when you love the business, you love the business.
1: Well, you know, it's, it's funny. Uh, I, I was listening to another conversation you were having uh, that was uh, I found on YouTube and you were talking about how there's always going to be a place for radio and talent Uh, Of course as the financials continue to change it makes it much more difficult but uh, the talent side of the equation there's certainly been a big shift because of the digital presence with social media and streaming and podcasts and all that today's influencers they have to be prepared to be multi-platform what insight do you have for maybe not somebody who's necessarily a radio personality or radio talent, but thinking in terms of talent, because, I mean, you've worked with some of the best, with Don Imus, and you mentioned David Letterman and Ken Griffey Jr., and just all kinds of great talent over the years. What what insight do you have for somebody who uh, wants to grow their following? Because the following, really, it doesn't matter what the platform it's on. Right. Um, it, it's, it doesn't matter whether it's radio, video, or social.
0: This may sound trite, but every time you interact with your audience – Try to make it a meaningful interaction. Um, I think that's the, you know, so whether it's your podcast, whether they're listening to your stream or, or you're on air, which is usually the same thing, just make sure that that interaction is compelling to your listeners.
1: Mm. Having that compelling content, really uh, not easy. you got to yeah. stop. got to stop and think about it. Uh, I'm so appreciative, Jeff, of you joining the show today. The book is called Never Ride a Roller Coaster Upside Down. Jeff, do you ride roller coasters? Are you a roller coaster kind of guy?
0: Really not. I just realized that I, I rode one throughout my entire career, and, and I hope people will find the book fun. Um, I've been very, very gratified by the response. It's been very, very encouraging, uh, and people can get it on Amazon or wherever they buy books.
1: Jeff, I do have one more question. Somebody just texted me and said your, your business that you grew in, into uh, what was really an iconic broadcasting company, yeah. uh, you grew in Indianapolis, right? Is that right. It's, It was in Indy the whole time?
0: And, and so, I, you know, it, in the, Indianapolis has been home. My family's been here forever uh, and over 100 years. And I got teased And you know, our biggest stations are in New York and L.A. and Chicago and Washington and San Francisco. But this has always been home. And I've always been proud of that. And it's allowed me to play a role in sort of the growth of the community and I've been very proud of that.
1: Well, I was I was chatting last week with with a CEO and founder who uh has a business here in Tampa Bay called ReliaQuest. It's a yep. it's a cybersecurity company and they were, you know, as you, he we were talking last week about how it is growing a what is particularly in most cases a silicon valley kind of a business yep. in a non silicon valley city tampa florida uh, were there are there different, what was it like growing your media uh, conglomerate outside of the what would be typically la or new york or yep. chicago kind of a market
0: there were times we used to joke that it was it was sometimes hard to get people to move to indianapolis and sometimes we made exceptions and we had executives, and obviously our talent was wherever the markets were. But we had executives who lived elsewhere, and they telecommuted. Um, what we also found is if we could get people to live in Indianapolis for six months, they loved it. It's a nice place to raise a family. There's a lot going on. Uh, the weather's not quite like, you know, Tampa, St. Pete. Um, But it was, you know, I think, you know, you you really find that if if you have a culture that attracts people, you should be able to attract people anywhere.
1: Mm. One more quick question that was on on my notes here, uh, and you brought it up because you mentioned about driving your daughter to school. Talk about being an executive at a very high level, C-suite type of an executive, and balancing that with family goals, desires, all that kind of good stuff.
0: It is a challenge. make no mistake about it if you're going to run, if you're going to be an entrepreneur, and I always say we're all the entrepreneur of our own lives. Um, it is all consuming on the other hand you you've got to have time for your kids and your family. Um, I always found that sometimes on vacations, I was a little distracted. There were times when we were doing stuff, and I might have been thinking about you know something with business. But, you know, the the joke was no matter what happens when the kids call, you drop everything else and talk to your kids. So, you know, I'm very proud of my relationship. I have um, an 18-year-old and two grown kids, and uh, we're all very, very close. Mm. And I think, you know, at the end of the day, um, your family's got to come first but if you're an entrepreneur the business is a very 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 close second
1: yeah that's right it's 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 like having a child yeah, having a really business ha- having your own business well it's been really a pleasure having you join us uh, today jeff uh, sure. i want everybody to uh, take a look at that book i've got it right here in my hands it's never ride a roller coaster upside down it's the ups downs, and reinvention of an entrepreneur. And as a matter of fact, it doesn't matter where you're at in your career, if you've been uh, in your career for five decades, just like Jeff is uh, Ben, or if you are maybe you're 10 years into your career and you realize you don't love what you're doing, that's chapter one. You got to love what you're doing. Jeff Smolian, thank you so much for being a part of the Business Beyond the Boardroom show.
0: Mark, it's a pleasure. A A lot of fun. Absolutely.
1: And love to have you back again. Thanks. Bye. Hey, I hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Business Beyond the Boardroom podcast. This podcast is a feature of the Business Beyond the Boardroom live radio show. The full live radio show airs every Tuesday morning at 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, and you can listen live anywhere in the United States. All you got to do is simply go to MoneyTalk1010.com and click on that little listen live button. Now, if you happen to be in the Tampa Bay region, you can listen live on the radio as well. Just go to 1010 AM, 92.1 FM, 103.1 FM, or 99.5 HD2. And lastly, if you like the content in this podcast, would you do me a favor and subscribe to it, like the episode, and please share it with your friends. I'm Mark Steckman. I appreciate you listening, and I hope that you'll make it a great day.